0: All right, welcome back to another episode of Sean and Ed's 2 Baseball. I'm Sean. And I'm Eds.
1: I don't know why I paused, <laughs> yeah. but we're doing some baseball. That's right. We're a bi-weekly baseball history podcast where the story catcher yes. does not know what the story pitcher is going to be telling. That's true. That's and right. today I catch. That's right. And you pitch. Yeah, I'm going to pitch a story to you, but before I do that, I should tell the people to follow us on Twitter at DoingBaseball. Yes. And Instagram at Baseball. That's true. Follow me at Sean does baseball. No, Sean do baseball. Sean do baseball. And I'm Ed's do baseball. Okay,
0: whatever. It's February by the time you're listening to this,
1: so I don't even know what's going on right now. Well, it's Black History Month, Sean. It is? That's right. Yeah, that's every February, I guess. That's right, every February. And uh, today I have a story from uh, the history of Negro League Baseball. Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, before I get into it, I'm also going to tell people to uh, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you can. Thanks for listening to us there. Yeah. Check us out on Podbean as well. And uh, like I said, once again, thanks for listening. Yeah. Super excited. Okay. So to uh, get into the story here, I'm going to kind of preface it a little bit. I asked you yesterday to kind of give you a little bit of a hint as we do sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I asked you if I was to ask you who was the best pitcher in Negro League baseball history, who would you say? And obviously my response was Satchel Paige. And that's what I expected you to say. Of course it is! But I said you'd be wrong, though. You did say that. Yeah.
0: And I am wrong, apparently.
1: Yeah. And I well, feel like I'm I, about to find out why. You're about to find out why. I think uh, I, I should sort of say that um, I think... One could still argue that Satchel Page was the best pitcher in Negro League history, but uh, from uh, from the accounts of this man's uh, career, he also had a very decorated career and probably had a great, great influence on Satchel Page. Ooh. But no one's ever really heard of him. Let's find out if I've heard of him. Well, you've never heard of a guy who, you know, it's surprising that no one has really ever heard of this guy. His name's John Donaldson. Ah. Have you heard of them? I've heard the name. Okay. I know nothing well, about kind the of person. I'm surprised that you've heard of his name because I thought he was not a pitcher. Well, there is another John Donaldson. Okay, who, I've who, never heard of John well, okay. Donaldson uh, okay. then. <laughs> it's surprising though, because you think that you would have heard of a man who through his career accumulated four hundred and thirteen wins. Mm-hmm. And 14 no-hitters. What? 14 no-hitters. Oh! And over 5,000 strikeouts. Yeah, yeah, no, I would have... 14? 14 no-hitters. Okay! Okay, ready? Yeah! So, John Wesley Donaldson was born February 20th, 1891. He was born in Glasgow, Missouri, to his parents, James Donaldson, who worked as a laborer at the local stone quarry when John was born, and eventually worked up to the position of foreman. Mm-hmm. John's mother, Ida Hurt Donaldson, worked as a homemaker and raised John along with his three younger brothers, Russell, Odell, James Jr., and their sister, Tina May. You want to make a comment <laughs> on of his mother's Ida, name?
0: <laughs> Ida Hurt Donaldson. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fucking you just say your own name instead of saying your kid's name. Your just, own
1: name is a threat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Hey Josh! No, it's uh, John. Sorry, not yeah. Josh. Yeah. Hey John, what's my name? Ida Hurt Donaldson. That's right. That's fucking right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so both his parents were born in the 1870s, and they were part of the first generation of free Black Americans born in the years following the American Civil War. <laughs> uh, I
0: don't know why I laughed, and I'm still mm-hmm. thinking of the last one.
1: Yeah. But yes, good for them. So as one might imagine, these were some dangerous and tumultuous times in the town of Glasgow. Yes. Right. So give a bit of background here on it. The, Glasgow is a uh, historic town built upon the bluffs above the Missouri River. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the war, and I would assume in the times after, likely to this day to a certain extent, Glasgow identified culture- culturally with the south.
0: And this is in Missouri? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Would, that state was pretty broken up. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think of... A lot of Missouri sided with the South and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. St- still does depending on what size your truck
1: is. Right. Well, it probably depends what happened uh, through the next uh, couple years that I'm going to cover here. General Sterling Price had led an expedition through Missouri between late August and December of 1864. Mm-hmm. And it was a attempt to wrestle control of Missouri away from the Union Army. Ah, Uh, His quest was ultimately stopped after Price and the Confederates were surrounded and suffered significant losses at Big Blue River, Kansas City, in late October. Price was forced to retreat and withdrew swinging west into Indian Territory and Texas before he returned to Arkansas. This turned out to be the final Confederate offensive west of the Mississippi. So this is, like, right at the end of, of the Civil War. Yeah. But before this, Price uh, took a victory at Glasgow on October 15th. Ah. So,
0: so the South had occupied, or the Confederates had occupied the, the, the town.
1: Right. Yep. Yeah. So the war is probably a pretty hot-button topic in Glasgow following the war, mm-hmm. I would guess. Uh, you've got a town that identifies as Southern with a population of former slaves and their families now free to live amongst whites. So, fast forward a little bit. Here's an example of that uh, of that hostility. Oh, in dear. 1891, one month before John Donaldson was born, Ollie Truxton, a black man from Glasgow, was murdered by a lynch mob in his hometown.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Shit.
1: And in fact, according to the record, 30 years of lynching in the United States, which was published by the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People... In April of 1919, 17 black men were murdered by lynch mobs within a 75-mile radius of Glasgow by the time Donaldson turned 20 years old. How many? 17? 17 within a 75-mile
0: radius. Yeah, and these would all... Oh, God. Imagine just... Yeah, no, that's fucked up. That's like growing up in a like not yeah a war zone essentially Essentially, you're a young black man yeah yeah, because it's a very neat like small part of the population right that's what it would be like yeah there's probably only a few hundred of them 17 get oh god
1: right so it's terrible it's uh kind of a violent area it's Uh, But Glasgow, on a more positive note, was also famous for having the first steel suspension bridge over the Missouri River. Oh, well,
0: that's great. (laughs) I'm really glad that their infrastructure is is much better than their racism.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's just, you know, it's not to sort of take away from that. It's just this also adds to the story because because of the bridge, the town was a hub for transportation Yes. So having this railroad bridge was originally built in 1878 and 1879 and rebuilt in 1900, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, having this bridge and being a hub of transportation for goods and whatnot traveling across the river, Glasgow was was also somewhat of an entertainment hub. Ah. Right? So minstrel shows and traveling circuses were often passing through the area. So Donaldson was known as a young boy to travel down to these shows and try to work for a ticket to the show, whatever it was. Yeah. So he'd do things like get water for the horses that drew the carriages of the shows, and then they'd let him in. Okay. So a young John, you know, is hanging around the circus and everything, and he gets talking with these nomadic entertainers and kind of gets an idea of what life on the road is like from all these conversations. Uh Uh-huh. And he also learns what it means to be a showman. But also, like the majority of boys in the United States, John Donaldson played baseball. Or back in these days, one old cat with the neighborhood boys. Of course. So he's... He's He's playing stickball. He's playing stickball? Essentially.
0: And he's uh, he's learning how to entertain people for money.
1: Right, right. So John had the best arm. Mm -hmm. So naturally he pitched. Mm -hmm. And natural he was. Pete Gordon who spearheads the Donaldson network a research collective dedicated to the legacy of John Donaldson Wow how ma- many
0: how big is that network
1: it's pretty big oh, right I, it's wild it's got a wealth of uh, information anyway That's let me tell you fantastic it maintains so Pete maintains that they haven't uncovered a game from John's youth that he did not strike out at least 15 batters Wow-hmm okay mm-hmm. so he's he's a natural as I said. Well, yeah. 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 So John attended an all-black Evans grade school and would pitch for the baseball team against his mother's wishes. He led them to an eight-cities championship. With the final game taking place on a Sunday, Donaldson's mother, Ida Hurt, asked John not to play on the Sabbath saying, I'd hurt John if he pitched on Sunday. Oh my god, she did it! <laughs> she did it, John! No, had- I just made that oh, up. Oh, dude! Imagine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it, though. She definitely pulled that out at one point. She had to. She had to. You would have
1: okay. had to. <laughs> okay. It's the ultimate mom joke. Okay. But pitch he did. And his mom was pissed. But yep. when she heard the crowd cheering for her son, she changed her tune and became his biggest fan. I
0: think Jesus could totally be okay with
1: it.
0: (laughs) I don't know what that means, but I apologize.
1: (laughs) John then moved on to high school, and it would be assumed that he would have pitched, but there is no official documentation. But he did make the newspaper on September 17th, 1908, because he had left his team and pitched for another. The Glasgow Missourian wrote, quote, John Donaldson, a member of the Hanaka Blues... Glasgow's crack-colored ball team went to Higby Sunday and pitched for the Hig pitched for Higby against Moberly, winning the game by a score of two to one. Fucking, I love when he pitches for Higby and they beat Moberly. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Everybody loves that. Everybody, that's a. He makes headline news. That's but amazing. obviously, he's, he's like, very you know, good. he's very good. He's yeah. got a lot of pedigree. If like the newspaper is taking note that he's like, yo, John is going and playing in Higby. Yep. Maybe that's a little sketchy. I don't know if that's what they're kind of implying, but But yeah, he's making the news. He's making the news. That's for sure. So Donaldson pitched mostly for Hanaka from 1908 to 1910. And after that, that's when his professional career began. Uh, His mother wanted him to become a Methodist preacher, though. And after high school, John went to George R. Smith College, which had a seminary for the African Methodist uh, Episcopal Church. Okay. But he was only there for a year. Preacher he would not be, John Donaldson was born to play baseball, and in 1911, he joined his first professional club, Browns Tennessee Minstrels, who were commonly called the Rats. I, what? Why? Why? I don't know. <laughs> no, it's that was not. The, the it's, Browns,
0: Tennessee Minstrels. Oh, the Rats.
1: Yeah, it's not clear why they're called the Rats. It's actually, it's, it's a it, nickname. it'll become apparent and I'll tell you why eventually why okay. they're called the Minstrels. But now Donaldson had a long career and I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of these teams, but I'm just going to list them off because when they're read all together, it's quite astounding. You're about to read every team he played for? That's right. Oh my God. Austin Jackson, eat your heart out, bud. Ready? Yep. Tennessee Rats 1911, All Nations 1912 to 1918, Lehigh Iowa 1912, Kansas City Colts 1915, Palm Beach Florida Royal Poinciana Hotel 1916, okay? Los Angeles White Sox 1917, Indianapolis ABCs 1918, Brooklyn Royal Giants 1918, Detroit Stars 1919, Chicago American Giants 1919. Kansas City Monarchs, 1920 to 1923. All Nations again, 1920 to 1923. Bertha, Minnesota, 1924 to 1925. Kansas City, 1924. Lismore, Minnesota, Golden Gophers, 1925 to 1926. Madison, Minnesota, 1925. Minniota, Minnesota, 1925. Radville, Saskatchewan, 1925. So he crosses the border, heads wow. up to Canada. Plentywood, Montana, nineteen twenty-five. He seems to be getting
0: more northwest as his career goes.
1: <laughs> Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, nineteen twenty-six. Okay. Bertha, Minnesota, nineteen twenty-seven. He heads back. Yeah,
0: once you have a Bertha,
1: and thank God. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and thank God he actually. I'm just gonna add this in. I don't have this written down, but thank God he did like make it one or at least or two stints in uh, Minnesota because it was actually because. He was in Bertha, Minnesota, which was 13 miles from where uh, uh, Pete Gordon grew up, Mm -hmm. uh, that he was actually inspired to start all this research and start the Donaldson Network. So, you know, that's kind of a significant point in history. If he had not have been in Bertha, who knows if... uh, we would know who he is. That's wild. Uh, Melrose, Minnesota, Jesus, 1928. Jesus, wh- why are you still talking? Scobie, Montana, 1928. Gilkerson's Union Giants, 1928. Arlington, Minnesota, 1928. Colored House of David, 1929. That's a weird one. St. Cloud, Minnesota, 1930. John Donaldson All-Stars, 1931 to 1933. So he had his own team. All yeah. right. Sioux City Stockyards, 1932, Kansas City Monarchs, 1934, Joe Green's Chicago Giants, 1934-1937, Lexington, Missouri, 1934, Chicago Suburban Club, 1935, Satchel Paige's All-Stars, 1939, Joe Green's Chicago Giants, 1940, Lehigh, Iowa, 1949. And that's it. He would be, like, 59 yeah, by the end of all that. That's an old... I think the last one was just an old-timers game or something. Oh, okay. But but so, <laughs> I just... All I can think of is just... Did he, like, not... Wasn't able to pay a hotel bill at one point? <laughs> <to play? laughs> well, the hotel's a baseball team now. Well, you gotta remember, this is, like, in the times where, like, he was, A, barnstorming, but also yeah. just, like... You know, just kind playing of, for him a hired gun. Anyone oh, yeah. who would pay him to play, he would go there. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, I like listed off 50 teams or whatever that was. I don't think it's 50, but it's it's well,
0: it's a lot. It was a distinguished 40 year career in well, baseball.
1: That's right. So as mentioned, Donaldson began his career with the Tennessee Rats, who were actually, as I mentioned, called the Minstrels. Yes. And it was a fitting name, Sean, because that's exactly what they were. Minstrels. That's right. The team would play a game during the day mm-hmm. and then put on a minstrel show in the night.
0: <laughs> so everything's coming full circle. That's right. Yeah, So, was with his, say, his so youth.
1: he's perfect that he hung around with all those minstrels that's at what the I, bridge.
0: That's what I thought of at
1: first. I'm like, what
0: kind of baseball team is this that has minstrels in their name? Or are they putting on some sort of
1: show? Well, that's exactly what they were doing. So they,
0: Well, obviously before stadium lighting, so day game baseball. <laughs> that would be fun. Mm-hmm. That's kind mm-hmm. of a, a we want to start a band that just plays baseball games.
1: <laughs> sounds like the best time ever. Yeah, yeah okay, keep going. <laughs> okay, so that season he would play in more than 60 games, most of them in Iowa, with short trips to Minnesota and Nebraska. Yeah. The Rats went 140 or er, 184, excuse me, and 17. John was 44 and 3. Holy uh, the Ackley Inter-County Journal recognized his talent and remarked, quote, the Rats have a slab artist on their staff who, if he had a coat of whitewash, would be playing big league ball. He is certainly a chocolate-colored wonder with his slants.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, that is one hell of a way to, to to say if it wasn't for racism, this guy would be in the major <laughs> That's leagues. That's right. Yeah. Who is wow, there was a lot baked into that sentence or
1: two. Yeah, there's a lot of veiled racism in that compliment. I don't think it was veiled. (laughs) I don't think it was veiled. I don't think
0: it was, it was was like, how do I make racism sound fun? (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yeah, I guess bailed isn't really the right word to describe there. Uh, John knew his talent, and he had high standards for himself, as was written in the Glasgow Missourian on April 20th, 420 blaze it, 1918. <laughs> Quote, John writes that in a game played in Novinger, Missouri, last Saturday, the Browns team won by a score of 3 to nothing. The opposing team was made up of Kirksville Leaguers, a white team, he led his opponents down with one scratch hit and struck out the first 11 men and 19 in all. Wow. Yeah. So he's just mowing them down everywhere he goes.
0: Yeah, hey, that's going runs if the first 11 batters don't
1: get on base. <laughs> no, no. So then in 1912, J.L. Wilkinson, the man who famously was said to not have a prejudice bone in his body mm-hmm. and who eventually became one of the founders and the only white owner in the Negro Leagues, Put together a traveling team that was constructed with players of many ethnicities. They even had a woman on their roster as they barnstormed the upper Midwest. Mm -hmm. The All Nations traveled in their own private Pullman car. Holy fuck, I just listened to a podcast on Pullman today. On Pullman? Yeah,
0: yeah. I forget his first name, but Pullman was the the guy he 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 invented uh, the the luxury train car essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is a nice train car. It's very interesting
1: because I looked this up and I was like, "What's a Pullman car?" Oh and my then god! I fucking started looking at that stuff. Do too, you have so. anything to read about Pullman? Or Not really? No. no.
0: Okay, but anyway, so Pullman. I think it was George Pullman. I don't know. Everybody was named. Yeah, it was George Pullman? Because racism. <laughs> um, and that's how black people, everyone started calling them George because they were the butlers on his train and oh, they were okay. so racist that they wouldn't call them by a name. They just called them by George name because oh, okay. that, it was a Pullman train. Joe George. It was terrible. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And he also like had cities for his workers and treated them horribly. There was a big strike. There's Eugene Debs got involved. Anyways, the dude died. They had to encase his casket in steel and cement to make sure no one fucked with his body.
1: Wow. Okay, What, back a, to the what an aside. <laughs>
0: what an aside.
1: Continue. <laughs> their Pullman car <laughs> also carried portable bleachers and arc lights. Yep. So, like, during the day, they'd, they'd pull in. Holy they'd shit. set up their bleachers and the yeah. lights and yeah. the tents for their game, and then after the game, they'd tear it all down, put it on the Pullman car, and away they go. All right. So... Uh, 1912 to 1917 were John's prime years of yeah. his career. In 1911 through 1912, he was often referred to in the press as the world's best colored pitcher. Okay. And then, uh, through these years, as I said, 1912 to 1917, mm-hmm. he would accomplish unfathomable feats. He pitched a hundred straight shutout innings in both 1913 and 1914. A hundred straight shutout innings. That's
0: correct. That's a hundred innings. So that's pitching 10, 11, 11, 11 11 shutouts. Yeah. 11 shutouts in a row. That's correct.
1: Wow. Yeah. Twice. Two years in a row. Yeah. Okay. In 1915, he pitched no hit baseball for 30 consecutive innings. Okay. Once again, that's three three and a third games. Yeah. Wow. No hitters amassed 2332 strikeouts in those 5 years mm-hmm. and threw seven no-hitters.
0: Well, we're halfway.
1: Yep. <laughs> he pitched every third game and played outfield the other two. I'm I'm glad they gave him a rest by having a three-man staff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh here's something I'm going to add to. This is sort of just an example of like how well thought of he was. It's it's like it's terrible. It's terribly racist what they ended up what this baseball man ended up asking him to do. Oh, no. But okay. It's just, you know, this is what they these are the lengths that they were willing to ask this man to go to to try to get him yeah. through some loopholes in the major leagues anyway. In 1917, it was alleged that John McGraw thought so highly of Donaldson that he offered an exorbitant sum of money to John If he would exploit one of the loopholes in baseball gentlemen's agreement and Donaldson refused saying this kind of a long quote and there is like a word in it that will beep but I'm going to say it quote I am not ashamed of my color there is no woman whom I love more than my mother I am light enough so that baseball man told me before I became known that I could have passed off as Cuban. One prominent baseball man, in fact, offered me a nice sum if I would go to Cuba, change my name, and let him take me into this country as a Cuban. It would have meant renouncing my family. One of the agreements was that I was never again to visit my mother or to have anything to do with colored people. I refused. I am clean morally and physically. I go to my church and contribute my share. I keep my body and mind clean. And yet when I go out there to play baseball, it is not unusual to hear some fan cry out, quote, hit the dirty. <laughs> n-. That hurts, for I have no recourse. I am getting paid, I suppose, to take that. But why should fans become personal? If I act the part of a gentleman, am I not entitled to a little respect? Holy shit. Yeah. That is quite a quote. Yeah.
0: That, like, it's. Uh, I don't know, that's heartbreaking. Like, yeah. I, imagine that. Hey, yeah, you could. You're light enough. Just go to Cuba, yeah, and then I'll pretend to to find you, and you'll just never talk to your mom or family again, and you'll be named as uh, Johansen Tagio. Yeah,
1: imagine just like having being asked to like just abandon your entire culture well, and everything well, just so you could play baseball. Like, well, ex- well, they're offering them a lot of money too. But yes, yeah,
0: it is. I mean, the fact that. I mean, uh, yeah. Even if he makes the choice to do that, can mm-hmm. you blame him? But, like, I'm I'm saying he's a much... He, like, clearly he's a man of strong moral standing right. to turn that down. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. Like, they offered him... To, like, do you want to be not black? In 1920 or whatever? Yeah. Like, holy
1: fuck. 1917. Yeah, oh, but, yes. I mean, Split regardless. Matters. Yeah.
0: No, that's, that's wild. Like, the fact that i mean yeah the, the you cancel your family that that's wild mm-hmm. just to 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 put it directly, i I wouldn't have blamed him if he if he took the deal but mm-hmm. holy but fuck that's yeah. that's ridiculous to ask somebody yeah but obviously obviously he's a man of great integrity well, and you can see it he's just like like I'm a gentleman I'm a performer and like fuck like you people just you just why?
1: Mm-hmm. Just yeah. like it's that's a that's I don't deserve That's Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's, he didn't. And he didn't.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, it's and awful. He okay. So no. yeah. in nineteen twenty, or sorry, I gotta go back. I yeah. gotta go back. Okay. Wilkinson pulled out uh, of the All Nations in nineteen seventeen with mm-hmm. the looming military draft. Yeah. But Donaldson took over and continued barnstorming, keeping the team together, trying to meet as many of the promised dates as they could. And then he spent the 1917 winter with the L.A. White Sox. John married Eleanor Dixon Watson on November 7, 1917. Mm -hmm. They had no children, but they remained together their whole lives. Mm -hmm. Donaldson registered for the draft. However, based on his historical records of baseball games, it seems his service time was either very short or probably non-existent. Yeah. Uh, Through April to June of 1918, John joined the Indianapolis ABCs, but was soon recruited by John Lloyd manager of the Brooklyn Royal Giants in order to help the Brooklyn team stave off their rivals, the Lincoln Giants. Yeah, Everybody called the Giants yeah. at this time.
0: Now, I've read a lot about that. Those, like, sh- the, the Midwest League. Everyone's the Giants. Yeah. Because everybody... Anyways, yeah. They, they, they kept yeah, one up and he other. we're the Giants now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess you could... Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. We're bigger than you. We're well, the Chicago gi- Giants. Yeah. yeah, so...
1: So, uh... Stave off their rivals, Lincoln Giants, in their quest for the title of best colored champion in the East. Uh, but John lost both of the two contests. Brooklyn lost in four double headers against Lincoln. So, they they did ultimately win. Brooklyn ultimately won. They won the series six to two. But both their losses were John Donaldson starts. And this is the the Brooklyn Eagles. This is the Brooklyn Royal Giants. Oh, the Royal Giants. Yeah. So in 1919, Rube Foster was laying the groundwork for the eventual Negro National League and recruited John to play for a new franchise, the Detroit Stars. But in 1920, Donaldson was reunited with J.L. Wilkinson, or Wilkie, who was now the owner of the Kansas City Club. And Wilkie says it was John Donaldson who named them the Monarchs. Oh. There you go, John Donaldson, credited with uh, the naming one of the most famous teams in uh, baseball history. history. Oh, yeah. my God, yeah. Yeah. So the pitching staff was a poker hand of aces with John Donaldson, the fourth man behind Sam Crawford, Rube Kirby, Curry, and Bullet Joe Rogan. Oh, fuck yeah. Not that Joe Rogan.
0: Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> I've heard of Bullet Joe Rogan before, but I forgot there was a baseball player named Baseball Bullet. player,
1: not podcaster. <laughs>
0: not podcaster. <laughs>
1: Donaldson compiled a 6-4 and four record in league games and batted 320 on the season. So he's also a very accomplished hitter. Yeah. Uh, I just want to also point out, Joe Rogan wishes
0: he was named Bullet Joe Rogan. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yes. I think everyone does. I think everyone wishes their nickname was Bullet. In 1921, he was 294 and had a lot more at-bats. I guess he was like, you know, he, he, as you can kind of see by his record, his like, arm was kind of dwindling a little bit. Mm-hmm. In 1922, Donaldson continued to play outfield for the Monarchs, but in June, Wilkie transferred him once again to the All Nations team as Wilkie needed a marquee name for his money-making team. So to say like money-making team, it's like the Negro Leagues had revenue sharing. Yes. And I guess Wilkie was making more money with the barnstorming team, so he was like, oh, this is struggling now. I need more money for the Negro Leagues team, yeah. so I'm going to send my... My big name, John Donaldson, who's like you know, got the crazy trickster, and I'll tell you about it in a little bit. But yep. you know, I can rake in more money yes. putting him out there. Yeah, and Donaldson probably could make more money out there the as same. well. Yeah. So John eventually, though, would return to Kings- Kansas City by the end of the season series of exhibitions, and then John did the same thing for 1923. But his life was sadly altered that year. Oh, no. Donaldson's father, James, was involved in an altercation at a railroad depot with a police constable and was shot in the face and killed.
0: Oh! Yeah, yeah that's life altering. Yeah,
1: I'll change things up for you. Yeah. Yeah. The constable was quickly acquitted within 48 hours. Okay. After a muddled police report alleged that James Donaldson was drunk during the altercation.
0: When well, a man was drunk, I mean, anytime I see a drunk man, I shoot him in the face
1: just to be sure. Just to defuse the situation. See, I was scared, so I, I tried to defuse the situation I, by shooting him in the face. I mean, alcohol. Uh, it's completely reasonable. Touch. Well, alcohol's illegal at the time, though. Remember. Alcohol
0: is illegal, so yeah. yeah I guess that That's, that, a, that, that's yeah. the thing. Basically, He was on drugs. That's basically...
1: like Drunken on drugs and drunken on <laughs> drugs and we shoot people who are drunken on drugs and in the face. So, yeah, Soye na- died naturally is what uh, I'm trying to say. That's what he wanted, clearly. John never commented to the press about his father's death. Yeah. Not to make light of the situation. Yeah, no, it's terrible. He took a more leisurely approach to his baseball career from that point on as well. Yeah. 1924... He started with Kansas City, but by May he was playing in Bertha, Minnesota and enjoyed the less grueling schedule than on the barnstorming circuit. Donaldson in 1925 left Bertha and hired out his services to teams in Montana as well as in Saskatchewan up here in Canada. In 1926, he pitched primarily for the Lismore Gophers. In 1927, he was back in Bertha Went to Melrose, Minnesota for 1928, and then in 1929 returned to the barnstorming circuit with stints on multiple teams all throughout the Midwest and Canada. You can go back and yeah. rewind to that list if you want. Yeah, exactly. Uh, at this time, John was making about 750 bucks a month. Wow, which I uh, did the inflation for today. That's about uh, twelve thousand one hundred and ninety dollars.
0: Yeah, that's a, yeah. It's a,
1: it's a living. It's it's pretty good living. It's yeah. it's not major league money, but uh, no, I anyway. Mean, no. uh, Donaldson had one last hurrah with the Monarchs in nineteen thirty one at the age of forty, as the barn as he barn as they barnstormed the Midwest. He hit two eighty two and played a solid outfield as usual. John continued to play on semi-pro clubs during the 30s, and then in 1939 traveled across the land with Satchel Paige and his All-Star squad. Just kind of shepherding these like young, flashy yeah. players across the country. So he's in his 40s? Yeah, No, he'd be 50. He'd be about 50 at Holy this point. Holy shit, okay. He was born in 1891. So, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what okay. I was trying
0: to do the quick math there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, So this is where John Donaldson may have made his biggest impact on baseball history. Mm -hmm. Satchel Paige is famous for not only being one of the best pitchers of all time, but also for being one of the most interesting and entertaining men in the game. 100%. And it's likely that a lot of his showmanship was influenced by John Donaldson. If you don't know like about Satchel Page, like Satchel Page had all kinds of tricky things he would do in uh, like barnstorming on these tours. Yeah. He had like funny names for his pitches, you trick know. Pitches, and, trick pitches, trick wind ups, yeah. stuff like that. Fun they were you know, they
0: was much uh, they were they were showmen. I mean I uh, but I mean at the same point, um I mean, I don't think we'll ever cover a Satchel Page on this podcast. I
1: think it would just be too much. It and would be too much. Too it's done. too
0: well documented, yeah. right? We're trying to find the, the stories from history. And, the, and that's the thing is, but yeah, Satchel Page, if you don't know anything about Satchel Page, don't look to us. Mm-hmm. Pick a, there's, a, there's a thousand amazing
1: books out there. That's true. Uh, Satchel Page likely got a lot of his love of barnstorming from Donaldson and a lot of the tricks, too. Mm-hmm. And when I say tricks, I well, I mean obviously the tricks on the field, but I also mean which towns paid the best. Yeah. Cuz Donaldson had blazed that trail. Oh, yeah. For years before. I mean there's people that had tra- blazed the trail before Donaldson as well, but yeah. you know, Donaldson had, you know, years of experience barnstorming and was able to be, you know, no, we're not going to go to this town cuz no one comes and they pay jack shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, there's nowhere to stay near this town, so
1: we just avoid it. And
0: yeah. Yeah, exactly. the, the, the local umpires here are, you know, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: rednecks, so, yeah. Yeah. So, Paige is also known to have done certain things to entertain the audience, such as calling the infielders off the field with two outs mm-hmm. and loading up the bases on purpose before striking out the side. <laughs> and according to Pete Gordon who was a guest on Black Diamonds with Bob Kendrick, uh-huh. president of the Negro Leagues Museum. John Donaldson was doing those things 20 years before Satchel. Wow. He's like doing that on his barnstorming tours. So you know? that's... He's that's, like teaching them... A, this is how you entertain the crowd, you know? You get them to like talk... You get guys to talk word of mouth, meet at the fences, and say, you got to go and watch Satchel page pitch. He loaded up the bases and struck out the side. This is why I love your you episodes, know? man. It's all because of that fucking bridge. Yeah, it's, it goes back to the bridge. Man. It does.
0: No, you, you do add little tidbits in there at the beginning. That I'm like, why is he going into detail about this? And then, uh, yeah, no, that's, that is a big thing, though. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's the entomology of it. Yeah, that, right? yeah. Uh, Donaldson once made a claim in a newspaper that every inning he would remove a player from his own defense Until the ninth inning, it would be just he and the catcher left, and he would still win, and on top of that, he was willing to wager $500 to prove it. He wow. essentially takes like an ad in the newspaper to be like, "All right, I'm coming to town, and this is what I'm gonna do. And if you uh, don't think I can do it, I'm willing to bet five hundred bucks." <laughs> I wonder if that's five hundred with just one five hundred dollar bet or with everyone. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good. Well, I'm sure it's probably just one we'll or two at just a time. One or, yeah,
0: because he's only he's making he's making what like nine hundred dollars a month or whatever. Seven fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, this
1: maybe a couple yeah, years after. Maybe that, he's but.
0: teaching Satchel that he's like, "If you make enough bets, you're bound to win." <laughs>
1: that's
0: right. Just double it. Just just keep doubling it up. You'll lose some, but you'll double up most of the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Donaldson was a crafty pitcher and a showman who over a 30-year career compiled 413 wins, 5,039 strikeouts, and 14 no-hitters. But it's hard to definitively say where he ranks among the greatest pitchers of all time because during his heyday, he pitched against a lot of inferior competition throughout his tours, but many, if not all of his peers, said he was the best they ever saw. And thankfully, you can see John Donaldson for 39 seconds. What? There's footage of Donaldson pitching that was kept and preserved by Donaldson's family, and you can find it on YouTube. Oh. And I have it for you. Oh. If you want to see it. Yeah, sure. Of course, I'll see it. Right. So it's.
0: I mean wow i i can't imagine obviously he was playing against uh you know not major league talent every day but if you have that much of a record right baseball's all about you know big sample sizes mm-hmm. I think it's pretty fair
1: to say mm-hmm. oh he's yeah. one the, of the best ever it, yeah his numbers speak for itself but like look at you're you're yeah you're a coach look at his like delivery at this time this is yeah. 1925 i believe it is is from it is fantastic to see him. Like his and mechanics he, are just sound. Like it's just you yeah. Know. He falls off really hard to
0: third base, mm-hmm. which just means that he, he. I mean, he's getting that back back hip. Like he's staying closed and and whipping through with a lot, a lot. Yeah, he's creating a lot of torque there. It's awesome. That yeah. is wicked no it's it's fantastic to see yeah if you're looking for this on YouTube search John Donaldson Oxley film uh, mm-hmm. that that would probably find it for you but this is amazing to
1: see and yeah. Yeah, so uh, I found this because Gordon explains it's that, that's actually from the Donaldson network on yeah, yeah, YouTube yeah. as well. so yeah, uh, I can't say enough about that. And uh, Gordon explains on Black Diamonds how they have shown the footage to Scouts blindly mm-hmm. uh, without them knowing who is in the video. Yeah. And they all seem to agree that the man on the mound in Fergus Falls, Minnesota in 1925 would have a lengthy career. Mm -hmm. He had the best throwing style of anybody else they've seen in those years. Yeah. And uh, many players in the Hall of Fame seem to have a worse throwing style than John Donaldson. So, no doubt. um, So as you can tell, John Donaldson had a great baseball mind, and he was a seasoned veteran on the road. Mm -hmm. So the Chicago White Sox took all of this into consideration and decided to hire Donaldson as a scout in 1949 making him the first black man to hold that position in Major League Baseball history. Holy shit, that is that is groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good for him. Yes, but... John became disenfranchised, however, and left the organization (laughs) after the resignation of general manager Frank Trader Lane in 1955. We've talked about Frank Trader Lane before, yeah. Yeah. John said for him the last straw was when the Sox passed on a young Ernie Banks, saying if they couldn't recognize good ballplayers, he didn't want to work for them. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Understandable.
0: And they wouldn't win until 2005. <laughs> 2016.
1: I mean, what? The White Sox? Oh, the White Sox. Right, yep. right. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, like, oh, just, I'm thinking Cubs. I Chicago, don't know. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I anyway, Ernie Banks went to the Cubs. Went, that's where yeah, my Yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so John and Eleanor made their home in Chicago following his life in baseball. Mm-hmm. He worked for the U.S. Post Office and spent time coaching kids baseball in the area. Mm-hmm. Donaldson died April 14th, 1970. Six months after "Only the Ball Was White" by Robert Patterson Peterson was published, and John's story may be more well known had he lived to see the coverage the players in that book received. Mm-hmm. It's kind of something that like Gordon surmises, surmised on the uh, on the podcast, and I kind of agree with that. That like you know a lot of players that got the coverage in that book, yeah. eventually became more well known because of the interviews that were spurned by that, you know, publication.
0: Well, I will. I actually, uh, funny enough, I, I just started reading that about a week and a half ago. Ah,
1: synchronicities, man. Yeah, it's amazing. So, thankfully, in recent years, more attention is being given to the story of John Donaldson. Although he failed to make the National Baseball Hall of Fame on a special pre-Negro Leagues ballot in 2006. His legacy lives on because of the tireless work by Sabre member Pete Gordon and the others at the Donaldson Network. And those in Glasgow now have a monument of their own, as in 2020, the Glasgow High School unveiled a larger-than-life statue in John Donaldson's likeness next to the baseball field that bears his name. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's... that's... I mean... I'm surprised. Say I hadn't heard of him. I obviously I haven't dug into that. The the only the ball was white too much. I mm-hmm. think I've only read the first chapter or two. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah. I mean, it's actual Page is. I don't want to say so well known, but
1: you know. he's pretty well known. Yeah, like, I mean, it's he's kind of a guy that like got a lot of coverage through like you know one of the biggest you know generations population wise of people. In the world, you know, when they were growing up, like the baby yeah. boomers, I'm talking about, yes. when they grew up, you know, they were getting stories of Satchel Page, you know, and you know, yeah. Anyway, I think that makes him like kind of well known. Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent, and that and that's the thing is is yeah
0: it's it's just in in history like this like one of these guys it it does seem you know i'm reading about the uh, the birth of the negro leagues and stuff like that in the nineteen twenties and the, in their heyday in the the thirties and stuff like that mm-hmm. like anybody that
1: came before that really gets looked over, yeah, it kind of gets yeah like you say passed over, and uh like you, I didn't know about this guy probably because no. of that because he you know his heyday was five years or you know probably a little less than that yeah before the the you know what is kind of considered the official Negro leagues started uh, started
0: yeah no That that's I mean yeah that was a great story I'm so happy to like know about
1: that now mm-hmm. because yeah, honestly me too I'm happy to like tell people now that you know, people start talking about Satchel Paige I'm gonna be like no 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 well yeah, you can say he
0: was inspired by John Donaldson mm-hmm. because this fucking bridge was built that's right <laughs> Because there was some, there was, let me tell you, you just sit down with them and talk for forty-five minutes.
1: The point is, so Glasgow, Missouri had the world's first steel suspension bridge. It was five spans. It was amazing. It was amazing. So anyway, to, to kind of close this up, I just want to like say thanks uh, to like. Bob Kendrick for like yeah. the Black Diamonds podcast. He's thanks president the, of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. In thanks, Kansas Bob Center. Kendrick, for existing. That's you are. true.
0: It's weird to say I want to meet somebody because I never want to meet my heroes. But mm-hmm. Bob, you—I mean, you're one of the guys who I would love to meet. I,
1: I agree, yeah. and uh, so I just want to say you could check it out. I was inspired by one of the episodes of Black Diamonds that featured. Uh, again sabre member pete gordon who is you know spearheading the the donaldson network and there's a massive wealth of records and history from john donaldson's life and career in baseball and i just can't say enough about the research that like they've done like to be able to check that out and i'll probably post the link for that with this posted episode because it's just it's it's amazing
0: amazing. yeah yeah and and check out that 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 uh, little clip of him pitching because uh, mm-hmm. it, too. it is impressive. The, the frame rate's really short, but you can see the movement on the ball and you can see how how he's doing. Anyways, uh, yeah. Until next time, uh, give us a follow on the Twitters at uh, Doing Baseball and on Instagram at Doing Dot Baseball. If you can, please give us a review or a rating. Uh, if you have any ideas, let us know. Uh, next time, uh, next, not next week, two weeks from now, we'll have another uh, Black History Month episode uh, I'm hoping uh, that there'll be a flurry of free agent signings because uh, <laughs> I'm assuming, I don't Sean know. Sean is bored. I'm bored, but it's still January where I am right now. So, Man. anyways, uh, until next time, I'm Sean. And I'm Eds, And we were doing baseball. Alright, see you next time. Bye. Bye.